0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: I am your host, Gary Davenport, joined as always by my lone remaining co host, because Walton Sperlin, the turncoat, the desperado, done runoff to greener pastures or whatever. But my man, Todd Lasky, is still here. He is loyal. How's
0: it going, Todd? Uh, not too bad, sir. Uh, kind of getting uh, anxious over here with all this uh, uh, activity going <laughs> We got. Baseball heating up, getting ready to start. We got uh, final four in college basketball. We got playoffs getting ready to start in hockey and basketball looming. Uh, it's kind of a good time of the year, actually. Uh, concerning there is no football.
1: Yeah, that's the only thing. And without football, you know, life just has no meaning. But there's always football, even when the games are not being played on the field. The games are being played off of it. Segway. We're going to dedicate tonight's show to talking a little bit about free agency and some of the fantasy impact of the big moves that have happened so far. But before we do, there's another major, huge news story around the NFL right now, so I wanted to get your take on it, Todd, before we start hitting free agency. What do you make of the Oakland Raiders announcing the move to
0: Las Vegas? Uh, I don't like it. You know, it's – You know, it's really sad to hear and to think about it. But, you know, when you think of the silver and black and those rabid fans that they had in Oakland, uh, those fans have have been an extremely loyal base for a long time. Uh, It's really hard to see the Raiders going anywhere else. Uh, You know, I know they were in L.A. for a while, but this is a totally different scene because they're moving out of state. Uh, I, I don't like it one bit. I would prefer that they stayed in Oakland. Uh, I understand that Las Vegas maybe has a need or deserves a chance at a team. I just don't think that this is the right fit.
1: I just, you know, I, there's, in my opinion, there's not really a bad guy in this situation. It's unfortunate. It sucks for the fans in Oakland. I'm a Browns fan. I've been through, and they've been through it once before already. So to have it happen twice, yeah, I put you in rarefied. I push you in St. Louis air, right there. But, you know, the Raiders, right at the bottom of the NFL in revenue, which is ridiculous for a team with the history and the fan base of the Raiders to not be making money or at least to be making less money, it shouldn't be that way. And the city of Oakland made it clear, hey, we're not going to pay for a new stadium, which I understand. So many of these municipal areas have been essentially held hostage by these football teams and have ponied up hundreds of millions, if not over a billion dollars to build a stadium. And a lot of times the return on that investment just doesn't turn out to be there. So I understand Oakland sucks. I certainly understand the fans feeling betrayed. I understand Mark Davis for wanting to make the money that his. I mean, he looks around the NFL at what some of these teams with new stadiums are making, and then he looks at what the Raiders are making, and he, 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 anyone's going to be like, dude, this is, a, this is a lot of money we're leaving on the table. And he doesn't have – you know, he's not Paul Allen or Sam Krumski in L.A. He's not the kind of guy who can put up hundreds of millions or even a billion dollars of his own money to get the deal done. So, yeah, he went where the deal was, and the deal was in Las Vegas. I certainly understand Las Vegas for wanting to have an NFL team. It's just one more feather in their cap, one more reason for people to come to Vegas. You know, now all of a sudden it's going to be you can do a sports vacation and hit the casinos and check out the Raiders game and then go back to California or whatever. I think fans will get over it eventually. Like you said, the Raiders are a very passionate fan base, and they're still going to be the Raiders. Plus they moved to LA and people see I mean, they, a lot of Oaklanders weren't happy about it, but half the fan base didn't mute me. So I don't know that we'll see that happen, but I also don't know that we're going to see this whole idea of Oakland playing this season and next season in Oakland as a lame duck franchise before moving to Las Vegas, because the Raiders are very passionate. And I know when the Browns moved in 95, the last home game, they dismantled the stadium and that, the negative feelings that kind of led to that just snowballed after the move was announced until the end of that season. You know, every home game the crowd was that much antsier, angrier, more hurt. And I'm just afraid that if they play that out too long, it's going to boil over at some point. So I think their best bet would probably be to arrange for somewhere else to play as soon as
0: possible. Yep, I totally agree.
1: It's. I mean, this is, what, three teams in the last year and change or two years to announce they're relocating? I think things will probably stabilize at this point for a little bit, but I look at the Florida Panhandle and I wonder how long the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be for that city, and I think the next rumblings we might hear are, and this is all speculation on my point, so don't any of the five Jaguars fans go getting freaked out, that we're going to start hearing about them moving to London because I think that's been in the cards from the moment that the London games became more than a once a year curiosity. The Jaguars are there every year. Shad Khan owns a soccer team over there. I think if it was up to him, he'd just as soon pack them up tomorrow and move them to London. But I guess that will be a conversation for another day. While the Raiders were making money, the rest of the NFL was spending it. Lots of it. Over a billion dollars in contracts on the first day of free agency alone and there were some whoppers you know the biggest contract fantasy walks and the biggest contract numerically are often two vastly different things i mean mike glennon gonna get 15 million dollars a year And nobody I mean if you're drafting Mike Glennon for your fantasy team Then I think you have serious emotional issues That you need To address I'm not sure what I would call What would I ask you Todd What would you call the biggest from a fantasy impact From a fantasy standpoint The biggest free agent signing we've seen so far
0: I actually really like The signing of Brandon Marshall Going to the Giants Uh, Number one he didn't have to sell his house All right, So bravo to Brandon Marshall But he's going to a competitor He's going to an established quarterback He's going to a team That he doesn't have to be the number one anymore So the focus will not be on him As the main wide receiver He's going to be able to eat up the middle part of the field Uh, I actually Really think that that's a great fit for Brandon Marshall And the New York Giants both Uh, I think it takes a small step back For uh, Sterling Shepard but not a lot Uh, He is a slot receiver I think He'll perform well. I don't think he'll perform as well uh, as he could have if Brandon Marshall was not signed. So he takes a small step back. But overall, I think it's a great move for the Giants and Brandon Marshall. I think it also really oh. helps out Elon Manning.
1: Oh, I think from an NFL standpoint, I mean, you look at the money they were able to get in that. I, it's one of my favorite signings of free agency, too. Yeah, you know, I wonder, it's going to be interesting to see. Where Marshall's ADP settles in at, because, I mean, I think it's safe to say that his days as a wide receiver one are definitely over, and given how much Manning throws at Odell Beckham, I, you know, I wonder if even top 20 numbers are going to be in the cards. I, think you're, I agree with you that Shepard, you know, that was fun while it lasted, but I just don't think the targets are going to be there. And I agree with you completely on Eli. I mean, Eli's starting to get to that age where you start to kind of wonder about quarterbacks. And yeah, now, granted, Tom Brady is completely throwing that off. Brett Favre was able to do it for a year. But I think the magic number for quarterbacks is 37. And I believe Eli turns 36 this year. So, I mean, they've got to start looking at things. As, I mean, I definitely think it's safe to say, that the uh, New York Giants are a win now team, and, and they should be. I I like the Geno Smith signing for them too. I mean, once again, it's a guy that they anything he's used to in New York, and it didn't take much for there to be an upgrade at quarterback behind Eli, given what they had. So, very true. I I keep I. I keep running this through my head. What's the biggest free agent title? What's the biggest? I don't know if it's the biggest. I like Pierre Garçon in San Francisco, not because I expect the 49ers have some great seasons, not because I think there's a great contract for the team. The fact that Pierre Garçon is getting paid what he is getting paid next year, I mean, that's the premium you have to play to a higher-end free agent. If it's a lousy team, and they know it's going to be a lousy team, you have to compensate for that with money. But I just, Garth yep. Song to me looks like he's a guy that screams garbage time to me next year. I mean, I don't care if it is Brian Hoyer, or quarterback, who else is he going to throw to? And it's not like the 49ers aren't going to be behind, you know, all the time.
0: Exactly. And, and he's also going back and playing with a former coach of his. And if we all recall correctly, that's where he had a single best year other than perhaps last year was with that same coach.
1: So, he's a guy – that's another guy I'm going to be very interested to see where his ADP kind of starts out, whether it starts to – I mean, if I can get Garcon as my third receiver, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Because I think there's top 20 upside there. Just off guard, it'll be not quite the king of garbage time that Allen Robinson was a couple years ago, the Zen master of garbage time. But the numbers are numbers. It don't matter where they come from. So, I hope people are sleeping – I've noticed it seems to me a lot of people are sleeping on Eddie Lacey because five minutes after he signed in Seattle, the reports got out that he'd showed up to a couple of his free agent visits looking a little of the
0: huttish, I guess. 267 is one report <laughs> I saw.
1: And I mean, it tells you that the Seahawks at least acknowledge the elephant in the room, to coin a phrase, and maybe make a little bit of a pun, and that they have weight clauses in his contract. But if we grow in the draft season and all these people keep going on and on about how Eddie Lacy is fat and lazy and blah, blah, and he drops on draft day, he's a guy I'm going to start looking at. He's averaging five yards a carry last year before he got hurt. The Seahawks like to run the ball between the tackles. I mean, there's a reason why they looked at Eddie Lacy and said, Hey, maybe that's a guy we should look into. So, if he can stay healthy, which really wasn't a big deal before last year, his first three seasons he stayed relatively healthy. If he can stay healthy in Seattle, I think there's decent. There could be decent value there. If, like I said, I almost hope he shows up to training camp a little tuddy, because if he shows up in <laughs> awesome shape, weighing two forty and just ripped, then everyone's going to be like, ah, yeah, he can do some damage in that offense. But if he shows up, you know. 250 and change, kind of like he did last year, maybe a little little gushy, then he's going to drop on draft day, and I, it's a guy I'm going to be eyeballing, because anytime time I can shave a little bit off that ADP, I'm on, and I think, like I said, if he stays healthy, Eddie Lacy could do some damage in 2017.
0: Oh, yeah, and I think it's a bit exciting, too, that they try to the- and snuck in a signing for Luke Jokal, a former number one overall pick, I think that's a very underrated signing because I think that he ends up actually in Seattle. Actually,
1: he was the number two overall pick. He uh, was right behind uh, Fisher. Yeah. He was – a lot of people thought he was going to be – it was either, you know, heading into that draft draft of 2013, which forever more shall be known as the draft that stank because – that was a bad draft. It was him and Fisher going in. Fisher went to Kansas City number one overall. Jokel went to Jacksonville. The Jaguar, I think he went to Seattle to try to rehab one-year deal once again because I think the Seahawks are interested in letting him play tackle, whereas the Jaguars wanted to move him to guard. So, and it's a low-risk signing. I liked it, too, it's – this is apparently how Seattle's going to do business on the offensive line. They just do not seem to be interested in spending a bunch of money on offensive linemen, which kind of runs contrary to the other 31 teams in football. I know the Browns just put a bunch of money into their line.
0: The Browns and the Lions both, yeah, put in a lot of money in. So, Walton, there's a shout-out to you and your Lions.
1: Well, your Vikings spent some money on the offensive line, too. I mean, granted, that was kind of out of necessity because that line was... And a problem with... I mean, I guess Reller is okay. And Rice is okay. But the Vikings didn't give him okay money, especially Rice. They gave him a bunch of cabbage. And I I just don't know that those signings... I mean, Minnesota's line is better, but it it was kind of a don't-have-anywhere-to-go-but-up situation. So I... Were I a Viking fan, I'm not. Obviously, you are. I don't know that I'd be doing cartwheels about those acquisitions.
0: Yeah, it's more of a wait and see as far as uh, me anyway. Up here in the, in the land of ten thousand plus lakes, yeah, I gotta wait and see a little bit. I mean, uh, I liked Reef coming out of college. Uh, I thought he was uh, an excellent prospect, but uh, uh, he hasn't been that spectacular, and there's a reason why the Lions let him go to begin with. So, I mean, like I said, it's got to be a wait-and-see kind of thing. Let's see what happens in training camp. and Let's see what happens uh, during the preseason games before we go jumping through any hoops or anything.
1: Well, I think the king of wait-and-see in Minnesota has got to be Latavius Murray. I mean, that's that kid's not coming in under any pressure. All you got to do is replace Adrian Peterson in the backfield. Had a thousand-yard season two years ago. Scored 12 rushing touchdowns last year, but... Only averaged four yards of carry each of the last two years. Just had ankle surgery. Was nicked up last year, and that Minnesota offensive line does not give me the warm and fuzzy. So, I'm yeah, gonna see I see mean, where ADP. I'm yeah, I mean, I mean, see there's
0: where a- the
1: ADP winds up. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of things with him. Uh, he does pass protect a little bit better than AP, and obviously he does catch the ball in the backfield better than AP. Uh, I don't know how much he'll be doing that because we still do have Jarek McKinnon, who is a pretty good receiver on the backfield for that. But obviously in first and second downs, if we don't run the ball and we pass it, uh, he does have some capable hands to at least do some damage there.
1: Right, I think honestly we'll see Murray on third down a fair amount of the time. It's only because, like you said, he's a pretty good pass protector. So I think we can see him get complete. And if the Vikings' offensive line don't play any better than they did last year, you don't need to leave that running back in to help. Yep. Yep.
0: Exactly. What do you and think of Sean kinda... Jackson? In- I actually think that that's that's one of the other big moves, I think. I think that really helps out Jameis Winston uh, quite a bit. And actually, there's something else that came across the news uh, uh, bleeper today is that, lo and behold, look who's practicing with Jameis Winston other than the aforementioned Adrian Peterson.
1: Yeah, I saw that. It's raised your eyebrow a little bit, especially given the uncertainty the Buccaneers have right now. Surrounding Doug Martin, and I mean, you look at what they did in the receiving core. They definitely went and got Jameis a complimentary weapon, a guy that can line up opposite Mike Evans, a guy that's got a much different skill set than Mike Evans. And I mean, Jameis certainly has an arm to take advantage of Deshaun Jackson being in Tampa. Now, honestly, more than Deshaun Jackson being in Tampa from a fantasy perspective, more so than Deshaun himself, I'm looking at Jameis Winston now. I'm like, huh. I think he was 12th in fantasy points last year at quarterback, so he's right at the bottom of starter territory in a 12-team league. You know, if he can bump that up to 7th or 8th in 2017, I mean, what number quarterback is he going to be to come off the board? Probably 15 or 16.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think he can he can be in the top seven. In fact, that's where I think I've got him projected right now as the number seven quarterback. Uh, like you said, Deshaun Jackson is going to be able to take the top off of defenses. They're not going to be able to focus so much attention on Mike Evans. Maybe Mike Evans does have a few less uh, uh, balls thrown his way. But, of course, after the year he had last year, uh, that was bound to happen. I mean, what do you have, 173 passes thrown to him last year? It was some ungodly like number. Yeah, so, but I also think that that's going to open up Mike Evans a little bit more because they're not going to be able to double team him so much because of that speed factor of Deshaun Jackson and an up and coming tight end in Cameron Braid. I think this is a, a very good offense in the making. Uh, I expect big things out of Tampa Bay this year. I would not be a bit surprised if they may even end up winning the division.
1: No argument here. I was about to say that. I was in Tampa. The only problem is Tampa's going to enter under kind of the expectations Minnesota had, I think it was, what, two years ago, when they're going to be the team that everyone predicts is going to make that quote-unquote next step. And it puts a lot of pressure on the team to ta- actually take that step, and we are still talking about a quarterback that's just coming into his third year. They do still have questions on the offensive line and at running back. So I don't want to predestine anything, but you look at the Buccaneers, because every team in that division is – I mean, the Atlanta Falcons' magical run of the Super Bowl last year, for all intents purposes, should have won the Super Bowl had they not, you know, <clears throat> aspirated. But Tampa can play, and I just the Atlanta Falcons to me don't. I don't look at them like I do the Patriots to say, "Oh, they're winning the division again," after the off season that they've had, because the Patriots, oh, Todd, I'm starting to hate the Patriots. I really am. I try <laughs> to be impartial. But I'm kind of starting to hate the Patriots, which is, I mean, Brandon Cooks, really, they needed more.
0: It, well, yeah, and it's, it's not just that. I mean, they were able to keep high power, and, and, yeah, they bring in Cooks, and it, it's just now they've got another cornerback, and so they're floating out. Malcolm Butler is out there somewhere just in case, you know. But, yeah, bringing in Stephon Gilmore, that's just another piece. Yeah, it's like the rich getting richer. It's just—it's unbelievable what Bill Belichick and the Patriots are able to do year after year after year.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna lie—the Gilmore signing surprised me a little bit to see them be that aggressive financially. And Stefan Gilmore has absolutely shown the potential to be a shutdown corner, but the performance hasn't necessarily been there, especially not consistently. So to see them pony up the kind of guaranteed money they did, I think with Malcolm Butler, it's the same thing we saw with Jamie Collins. And with uh, Chandler Jones, as they know, I mean, he's a restricted free agent this year, so next year's going to be a walk year. And they just realize we're not going to be able to pay this guy. So there, it is. I still think the Butler to New Orleans deal is going to come together at some point. I think it's just a matter of them figuring out the particulars of it. Yeah,
0: no, it very well could happen. I mean, there's definitely a lot of talk, and I, they are talking numbers, you know. How much is the extension on the contract going to be for? And so it could very well happen, but uh, I guess you know, I'm Saints not. the Saints can't.
1: The Saints can't just sign him to an offer sheet since he hasn't signed his tender. Because And the Chiefs can't sign him until he signed. I mean, the Patriots can't trade him until he signs his tender.
0: But if the right. Saints
1: sign him to an offer sheet right now and the Patriots just say, nope, that's too much money, then they get the 11 pick in this year's draft, which the Saints – aren't giving up. That's not going to happen. So they need to figure out along the scenic route of getting it done where Butler signs the tender, then the Patriots flip him to New Orleans, and then Butler gets his extension from the Saints, which I did. we haven't seen Saints do anything in free agency at all because if you look at how much cap space they have, they have essentially enough to sign Malcolm Butler at 11 or $12 million a season, which is what he's going to get paid, and sign a red yep. class. I mean, that's more or less it. So there's a reason. It's like Denver and Houston and teams. That there's a reason why these teams are out there sitting on their hands, and it's not just because they're bored. They've got their eye on someone. They just haven't quite figured out how to do it yet.
0: Yeah, they got to make other. Uh, they have to dot other eyes and cross other T's for double check. Oh, the Patriots made what eight
1: trades? I mean, every time you turn to the Patriots trade, Lala, they picked up Marcellus Bennett's replacement in Dwayne Allen, like
0: <snatched>,
1: snatched him up, and they got Tony Ely from the Panthers for a bag of Fritos.
0: Yeah, that was another very underrated move. And as of today. I'm looking at a report where they still have they still have, almost $22 million in cap space.
1: Oh, and they've got a replacement for Butler. Wait, he's, there's a reason Darrell Revis hasn't signed anywhere either. The Patriots are like, let us flip Butler to New Orleans, and then we'll sign you. And it's going to happen. Darrell Revis is going to play for the Patriots next year, and watch. Just wait and see if he doesn't re- Now, I'm not saying he's going to rebound to Revis Island, best quarterback in football rebound that he's going to be a lot better in 2017 in New England, which is where he's going to play, than he was in 2016 in New York.
0: Yeah, I, I think an awful lot of that has to do with the fact that the Jets were just dismal last year, and a lot of people, including Dale Rivas, more or less gave up.
1: I think early he got burned a couple times, and it got in his head. I mean, I, literally it had never happened to him before and he just didn't psychologically know how to deal with it. And it just messed up his whole season. But now he's had an off-season to think about it, work out, get in better shape, yada, yada, yada. yada, 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 yada. The, The motivation is back. Whereas I think last year he spent three quarters of the season just backpedaling constantly, trying to get wrapped around You know, things were snowballing. Everything was bad, bad, bad. I can't make it stop being bad. And you just freak out. And I think that was essentially last year for Darrell Revis was one long panic attack.
0: Uh, You could very well be correct on that, sir.
1: Plus, you know how it is. Every time the Patriots go out and sign some veteran off the scrap heap, all of a sudden dude throws up a Pro Bowl season, wins a Super Bowl, and then retires.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we've seen it happen a couple times, haven't we?
1: Like I said, I hate Patriots. I really do.
0: What do you think is the worst signing of the of the year so far?
1: Oh, Pierre Garcon, mugging was ridiculous. Mike Glennon, I I just, and I know the contract didn't wind up being nearly as ugly as it was originally made out to be, but still, does anyone really think Mike Glennon is a franchise quarterback in the NFL? How I what I don't understand is if you're the Bears. You cut bait on Jay Cutler, sign Mike Glenn, and save, what, three million bucks under the cap. And have you taken a step forward at quarterback? Because I don't know that you have. I did. Mike Glennon's ceiling is probably Jay Cutler. So I just, I don't, it makes no sense. A lot of the Bears have more signings in free agency than any team in the NFL, and three-quarters of them don't make a whole lot of sense to me.
0: Unless you're just trying okay. to look like
1: you're doing something.
0: Okay, now back on your hands for a minute. But I actually think the worst move actually comes from your own team. When the Browns right now have over $61 million and they did not resign Terrell Pryor. Oh, I hate that. that. Just, hated it. And, and that, Turn around and yeah. sign Kenny Britt.
1: Yeah, that makes absolutely no sense. Him. Should have tagged Exactly.
0: It never yeah, should, should have tagged Yep, they've got all kinds of money. They'd still have all kinds of money and been able to afford to do that easily. I think that's the worst and I don't rule so hear far free agency.
1: The argument I heard a lot from Browns fans was that he's not worth the $15 in and change I think it would have been the Tiger receiver this year, which I'm not going to argue that. The thing is, if you're willing to just eat $16 million in salary for Brock Osweiler just to get a second-round pick, then why are you not willing to eat five or six million bucks a year to bring back your number one wide receiver for a year and see if he can back up that breakout season? I, mean, I don't necessarily blame him for not wanting to give him a fifty million dollar contract with half of it guaranteed. You know, some five year deal or whatever. I get that he had one good year, but no, I agree that it was just dumb. And then you turn around and hand Kenny Britt thirty two million bucks over four years. Yeah, that makes no sense at all. Well,
0: and, and, and if actually, I don't the Browns were entire- doing Pryor only signed for one year and eight million, so the Browns obviously I could have offered ten million and probably made it work instead of the fifteen. No, sign him for ten Honestly, million. Obviously, at that point,
1: I think when the Browns didn't tag him and didn't come off with a long-term deal, that Pryor got mad and that he at that point he was intent on moving on. My understanding is the Browns would have given him the contract that Washington did, maybe even a little bit more, but he wanted some sort of security. And much like Alshon Jeffrey, it turned out it just wasn't out there. Okay, I, that's a great deal for Philly. I don't know if it's a great deal for Alshon Jeffrey's fantasy prospects. It's only because between Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson's offense, I just don't know that the numbers are going to be there for Alshon Jeffrey. But it's a great deal for the Eagles. I mean, for one year, you get a number one receiver, and it's, who cares with it? I think don't I think it come in less than ten million bucks. That's phenomenal.
0: Uh, actually, I think he's also one of the biggest winners of free agency is Carson Wentz. Not only do you bring in somebody like Alshon Jeffrey, but then you've also got Torrey Smith added into the pitcher, and now Jordan Matthews isn't going to have to be quite the workhorse that he was, and I actually like that as a one, two, three combination. Have Torrey Smith taken the edge off the, deep, or the back side of the defense? Have Jordan Matthews and Alshon Jeffrey in the middle? I actually like it.
1: The best thing in the world that could happen for the Eagles is in the first couple games of the season if they could complete a couple bombs to Torrey Smith, because then you might not even have to do it the whole rest of the year, but every time he runs a fly route, someone's going to go with him.
0: Yeah, exactly. I don't
1: know that Torrey Smith's going to have a great – I just – I don't know if Carson Wentz is really the quarterback that's going to take advantage of the one thing Torrey Smith really does well. I think there's a reason why the quarterback he had far and away the most success with was Joe Flacco. But yeah, I agree. I mean, they certainly upgraded the receiving core and they didn't spend a lot of money doing it. I don't think they're done with the their scrappy Peter. I wouldn't be at all surprised depending on how the draft plays out. If Jamal Charles lands there because of his familiarity with uh Doug Peterson because I they're gonna cut Ryan Matthews, it's just a matter of when.
0: Well, and, you know, it's, it's very funny, you know, go, going back, talking about Jamal Charles and, and the running backs that haven't signed this year or when they've signed, the money they've gotten, or what they're looking for. AP says he wants $8 million a year, which he's not going to get. <laughs> he's uh, drunk. Jamal Charles, what is he going to go for? $4 million? $5 million? Yeah,
1: probably something like that. One year, probably one year, because I guess you figure, I don't know what they're thinking. That's all you're going to be able to get once you get to that age of the running back, especially if... I mean, the reality, which is, well, Charles, I know he's yards per carry is the highest of any tailback in NFL history, and that's a phenomenal achievement. It almost makes me want to tell him, dude, just retire, and you can, for the rest of your life, you'll be that guy, because it's going to be a long time before a guy has enough career carries to hit the benchmark and can average. I think he's a 5.4 or 5.5 yards carry.
0: Yeah. But,
1: I mean, he's played eight games the last two years, it's the reality. i mean, you look at Adrian Peterson's missed two out of the last three seasons, and last year the time he was on the field, he didn't look great. Now, granted, the Minnesota offensive line was a dumpster fire, but 1.7 yards a carry is 1.7 yards a carry when you're 32 years old, so you wonder. I mean, and Marshawn Lynch talking about coming out of retirement to go to the Oakland Raiders—I mean, if the Raiders are willing to do that, I don't understand why you don't sign Adrian Peterson. But I guess that's just me.
0: Well, also, they've got a couple guys that were rookies last year that played pretty decent when given a the chance. They both averaged over five yards of carry. And I think they actually like that combo that they've got. So I don't know if they're really that that eager to sign AP to a big contract like that. Uh, Marshawn Lynch is a different story, because I think he'd probably play for a smaller amount, and he's from the area. But I don't think that AP in Oakland is necessarily a great fit.
1: Oh, I think it's going to wind up being Lynch. Uh, I think that's another deal that it's just we're waiting for the other shooter drop, which is the draft. I think it's the Raiders, and we may not see any real action on the. He might come out of retirement and get really. I don't even know if he'll come out of retirement unless we get to the draft and the Raiders don't. You know, if a running back falls to them that they really like, then maybe that changes the plan. But no, I think the point is that at some point they're going to add. We'll see these veteran backs sign. I just don't know that we're going to see it happen before the end of the month. And that's not to say they won't go on and have huge impacts for their teams this year. I, just, I was just doing a radio spot
0: in Vegas before the podcast,
1: and I said this to them. I think we're kind of seeing the evolution of free agency under the new collective bargaining agreement. With the lower-end rookie contracts and teams seeing how much team with the Seahawks have been able to do by drafting well and building around those young players, We're seeing more teams kind of adopt a similar model. So a lot of teams right now are just in kind of wait-and-see mode until they see what they can do during the draft. And then, I mean, by now, normally, we'd already be on the third or fourth big wave of free agency. Really, there's just been that one big one at the beginning, and then things kind of petered out. I don't know that we'll see another big wave until after Philadelphia and we see what teams are able to do in the draft.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I also agree more with what you said earlier about uh, maybe it waits until not right after the draft, but more like the June 1st cuts.
1: Well, you can declare a guy. We'll see a bunch of post June 1 cuts right after the draft. You can go ahead. It's a rule they put in two or three years ago. You can go ahead and cut the guy now, and you can even pick up another guy and put in his spot. You just have to carry his money on your salary cap until the first of June, so you can't go over. Believe me, if you could go over, Tony Romo would be gone. But it was—I think the—I think the Cowboys save five million against the cap if they cut Romo on May 31st, and 14 million if he's a June 1st cut. So, if you want to know why Tony Romo hasn't been cut yet, it's because he's going to be a post. Post-June 1st. I still think the Cowboys are hoping against hope that one of the two teams everyone keeps linking to Romo kind of blink a little bit and say, hey, you know what, it's worth giving up a fifth or sixth or seventh round pick to take away the uncertainty, which personally, if I'm John Elway, that is what I would do. I would trade a sixth or seventh round pick to get Tony Romo on my team if I'm the Denver Broncos. I don't understand it.
0: Well, yeah, it, it makes all kinds of sense. Uh, they keep swearing that they like their two young quarterbacks, so I mean, we will wait and see. I mean, it is a cat and mouse game. They're full of crap. <laughs> they are full of crap. I
1: will say with the, definitively, they're full of crap. If Romo got released tomorrow, they're picking up the phone. That is not a team that is built. That's a win now football team, and you can't tell me a healthy Tony with a healthy Tony Romo, the Broncos are Super Bowl contenders with that defense and those receivers, and, you know, maybe you draft a running back because, well, C.J. Anderson is okay. So offensive line would be what I would – and as a matter of fact, I've done one mock draft and I had the Broncos taking a tackle. I can't remember which one. But without without Trevor Simeon Simeon or Paxton Lynch, I mean, 10 wins is their ceiling, and that's maybe – the playoff. The uh, Houston Texans are in the exact same boat with Tom Savage as their quarterback. I don't think anyone's trembling in their boots about the Texans. And you put Tony Romo back there, once again, assuming he can stay healthy. You got Lamar Miller in the backfield. You got DeAndre Hopkins at wide receiver. You got one of the best defenses in football. <clears throat> I mean, you got the potential to make some noise in the AFC until you get beat by New England. So I understand why they're interested. I got to understand. From Romo's standpoint, why Houston might seem a more appealing destination. You don't have to move. I mean, granted, Dallas and Houston, I think a lot of people don't understand how big Texas really is, so they're not right next door to each other. You can't drive there in an hour. But still, it's the same state, plus Texas doesn't have any state. Tony Romo has been the beneficiary during his NFL career of a delightful little thing called the fact that Texas doesn't have state income tax. So that's meant several million dollars that Tony Romo did not have to give to the man that instead went into Tony Romo's pocket. That's what you call a motivating factor. Good point. Yeah, Texas, Florida, the big sports states that don't have it are Texas and Florida – Tennessee kind of does. They don't have it on income tax, but there is on investment. That's where it starts to get kind of complicated. Back in the days when Greg hosted the show, we used to have a a sports accountant on here, Dominic Rayola, the sports tax man. As a matter of fact, I should probably see if I can book him again, because Dom's a great guy about coming on shows. It's fascinating, Todd. I mean, you wouldn't think talking to an accountant slash tax guy would be fat. It is fascinating. The ins and outs of how how these different tax laws and everything affect the lives of a professional athletes. And a lot of it I'd never really consider like the Canadian athletes. like If you're an American playing for the blue Jays, Oh, you get killed. You get killed. Huh?
0: Uh, speak, uh, speaking of can... Florida. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, speaking of Florida, uh, last year, you, I, and Walton all were praising how well Jacksonville did in the offseason. And lo and behold, it didn't really prove that way as far as their record goes. But once again this year, they look to be one of the top three teams that have improved the most on paper as far as this season goes so far in free agency.
1: They definitely went to the old, if it turf, you don't succeed, try, try again. Well, spent a ton of money on defense again. Brought in Barry Church, uh, Calais Campbell, um, AJ Bouye. AJ Bouye, yeah. I mean, a ton of them. You look at that defense on paper, and it should be very good this year. You look at the defense on paper from last year, and they should have been a heck of a lot better than they were. So. I don't want to, you know, like you said, we just saw this movie last year, and it did not translate to wins on the field, in part because the offense was terrible. And I think it just put the defense in an untenable position where sooner or later you're going to break. As an IDP slappy, I want to say Calais Campbell will be fine in the new digs. I don't really know. I mean, you're talking about switching to end. It's the second year in a row because they just did this with Malik Jackson where they signed yep. a 3 4 end, that they're going to stick in a four-man front and gave him a bunch of money. And assuming they want to keep Jackson at the three technique, and I'm guessing Dante Fowler, they still have hopes of him becoming their Leo, that puts Calais as the strong side end. I mean, I love Calais. Calais for years has been a kind of low-end DL1, the guy where if you missed on the real high-end big sack guys, You know, J.J. Watt, Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, those kind of guys. And you waited a little bit on the defensive line. You could draft Calais, and he's not not even going to get 10 sacks. He never has in his career. But the tackle numbers that he puts up, and he's so consistent that you won't get – you might not get a 15-point week in a fantasy league, but you're not going to get a zero either. And there's a certain comfort level that comes from that. I just I don't know if he's going to be able to repeat it in Jacksonville. It was, it's very interesting to me when I heard that he took. It was a little more money than Jacksonville, but not much more—one million a year. I heard the Broncos offered him fourteen million a season. Now I don't know how much if the guarantees on that contract because he got thirty million bucks guaranteed from the Jaguars on a four-year deal. So that's some cabbage. Once again, Florida, no state, no state income tax. I mean, it's exactly. gonna be, I mean, Barry Church. Barry Church isn't as good a run stuffer as John Ciprian, who they let go, who landed with Tennessee. But he's a lot better in coverage. Ciprian is a live. Ciprian is an old school thumper, strong safety, great against the run. Couldn't cover a bed with a sheet. Church is a little more versatile. Bouye had a great year, man. But if, were I an NFL GM. He would make me nervous. He's another guy I think should have been for. I think Texas should have tagged him, uh, just like the Rams did with Tremaine Johnson last year, and then turned around and tagged him for a second straight year. I don't know about the second, tag, but the first one I totally understand. When you have a guy that comes from nowhere and blows up and puts up these big numbers, you've got the franchise tag. Why not use it? I, even if you pay a couple million over what you would have paid on a long-term deal, and the long-term deals do afford you a little more cap flexibility, You've got the money. Why are you sitting on it? Where to spend it? So where I used him, Bouillet, with Sylvia Juice, I just I fear he's going to go to Jacksonville, and the expectations are going to be the size of his contract. And last year is going to turn out to be the best we see from him.
0: And you know, I'm, I'm looking, sitting there looking at Jacksonville. and They still have almost fifty million still available. <laughs> I think they could be a a real sleeper, again, because of what you're saying about the tax law, if maybe they jump up out of nowhere and take a run at AP.
1: Yeah, and I guess that might be possible. I've heard rumblings they like Leonard Fournette possibly enough to take him at number four.
0: Well, okay, right, and and I see that, and that's very possible uh, because Fournette definitely has got the talent – But if you can sign AP, then wouldn't you be better off trying to protect your quarterback who is so prone to turnovers?
1: The problem with the Jaguars right now with the offensive linemen, if there were any decent offensive linemen left on the market, and I would wager they probably took a run at some of the high-end guys, which I don't know if there really were any quote-unquote really high-end linemen this year. I mean, especially at tackle. The tackle the free agent tackles were okay at best. At guard there was Zeitler and PJ Lang, but even then once you got past them there wasn't a whole lot there. The draft class isn't great either, once again, especially at tackle. I think Forrest Lamp is gonna be a baller at the NFL level, but I also think he's gonna play guard. So I don't there isn't a tackle in this year's draft that I look at and say that guy's gonna be an all pro four or five times. Okay, well so then, I think it leaves hey, the Jaguars in kind of a bind. So, if you want to blow that number four pick on that tail, if you like Fournette that much and you want to blow that four pick on a running back, then I'd say say do it.
0: Well, And and I thought about this, believe me, because I was thinking about how I approached this. And he's been climbing up draft boards quite a bit. They just got rid of Julius Thomas. Do you take Howard at number four?
1: I've seen that in mocks, too. That would be... I mean, if Fournette is gutsy, then taking Howard would be ballsy because no one's sure about how. I mean, athletically, it would look like it's there, and you see a game here and there where he'll just take over, and then he'll disappear for three weeks. So is that because Alabama didn't know how to use him, or is that because maybe he runs a little hot and cold, or is it a combination of the two? Or It's the same thing with is Joku um, – no doubt, first rounder, or is he a second round guy? Or Man, it's been a while since we had a slam dunk tight end prospect. I know that.
0: Well, and this is the other thing I was throwing around is, I think he is a first round, and I actually thought that Jacksonville was a team very capable of trading back up into the back half of round one, and That's maybe getting him there.
1: Very good possibility. If you get a team picking a little bit farther back who is, say, desperate for a quarterback. I could totally see Jacksonville trading back because most of the guys that look like guys you would consider drafting in that four hole are playing positions. The Jaguars just it's let's not to say they don't have a need. I just – you really want to throw more money in your defensive line and more draft capital or your secondary. I mean, where you got – you got Bouye back there now. You got Jalen Ramsey. There's your starting corners. And you got Barry Church to say, "I mean, you just already poured so much money into that defense at the mm-hmm. expense of the offense." And I understand you can't really help the offensive line right now. I get that, but if you you know if you move back into the twenties, then taking one of those tackles, I don't think in my mock draft I had an offensive lineman coming off the board until pick twenty. When's the last time
0: that happened? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know how many tackles are playing off really, really early and often. Oh, and. One will get overdrafted
1: this year. It's like these people that keep predicting like Deshaun Watson to Pittsburgh at number 30. There's no chance. None. Zero. The time pick 30 rolls around. Watson, Kaiser, and Trubisky are all going to be gone, and Mahomes might be too. Because NFL teams freak out about quarterbacks going to happen. I agree with you. My mock was... My mock was a dream situation for the Browns. It will never happen because it would make me happy. Miles Garrett at number one, and Deshaun Watson at number 12. At number what? 12, their second pick in the first
0: round. I I think that's very possible.
1: No, they won't do it because it would make sense. (laughs) They're going to draft Trubisky at 1.1, and I'm going to throw a shoe through my television set. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, would you check every other Cleveland quarterback though and then miss that's just cold. <laughs> sorry, man. It was there we're
1: hurt, man. we're hurt <laughs> <clears throat> all right, and folks, back to i know we swerved off i know we swerved off a little bit in the draft talk that's going to be. The focus of our show starting next week, moving through the month of April. We'll try and get some guests on, some of the other writers at Fantasy Sharks who like Todd. I know it's Todd's time of year. Todd's going to be glad to talk some rookies. That's his thing. See if we can get some other folks on. Plus, we'll probably look into finding a third to join Todd and I, a a new Wally. Because, once again, Wally is Benedict Arnold. Turncoat. Betrayer. That's a (laughs) lot, to join us on the show, I just I've always liked to. I I'm not going to say I like Threesomes better because I'm just not going to say that. But anyway, we'll be working on rookies, back to free agency. I'm trying to think of some other moves that kind of maybe stood out to me a little bit. Well, the, right, the
0: Colts trading. Of,
1: go ahead.
0: I I was really surprised that the Colts traded Dwayne Allen to the Patriots again. The rich get richer. But that really opens up the door, a wide, wide range bigger for Mr. Doyle to take control and and command of that tight end.
1: It's his fault. He's the one that his play last year is what brought that to be. They decided, much like Kobe Flean, both those – how spending two second-round picks on tight ends work out for you, Andy? And I'm not going to lie. I thought Flean was going to be decent. (laughs) Hey, I thought Schleener was going to be a decent player in the end, but after what he did in New Orleans last year, you're dead to me, dude. Totally dead to me. What do you make of, well, we haven't even mentioned the Black Unicorn moving on to Titletown. Town. What do you make of Martellus Bennett in Green Bay? Uh, I
0: I like it, um, but, I mean, I also like Jared Cook there, and Jared Cook in in the second half of the year really picked up his game. I don't see that it's that much of an improvement from Cook to Bennett. I also don't see Bennett's value changing that much from New England to Green Bay. He's going from one stud quarterback to another stud quarterback. Uh, I also don't see Cook's value changing that much because I've heard rumors that Oakland is going to focus on trying to get the tight end more involved in the offense. So I think in the whole scheme of things, I think – all of their values pretty much stay the same.
1: I think I almost, depending, especially when you consider what their relative ADPs are probably going to be this summer, I think I'd almost rather have Cook. And I ain't even lying. I think Bennett's going to be overdrafted. I think people are going to look at what Cook did down the stretch last year and they're going to say, hey, it's Martellus Bennett. He's going to put great numbers up in Green Bay. But Green Bay has. It's not like Green Bay has had terrible tight ends. It's just Aaron Rodgers forgets he has one for two, three weeks at a pop. And you've got those beefcake wide receivers and Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson. So I mean at best he's the four in the passing game. So I just it's not a guy I would want to start on a weekly basis as my fantasy tight end because I think his production there's gonna be big games. But there's also going to be games where he's a complete non-factor. Brandon Cooks in New England. I mean, if people are drafting him based off of last year's numbers and thinking he's going to be a top-ten fantasy receiver, I don't know, man. Because, granted, and I know Robert Kraft compared Brandon Cooks being acquired to Randy Moss, which, no, but Okay. <laughs> but I've heard some people talking about that the Patriots are going to morph back into the 2017 that you know scored all the points in the world and ran the table in the regular season. Depending on how they do in the draft, I might believe, half believe to run the table in the regular season. But they're not going to set scoring record. Tom Brady's not going to throw for 5,000 yards at 40. That's not going
0: to happen. And 51 touchdowns. And
1: I just right. And you look at, I mean, Cooks is what. A three in that passing. Uh, I mean, he's got such familiarity with Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski. I mean, Cooks is a guy that to me, they're going to be big games because he's going to be the vertical guy. He's going to stretch the field and he's going to have some nice games. But once it, the variance is going to be all over the place because once they get down to the red zone, there ain't one direction to look, assuming he's back on the field. Now, if Rob Gronkowski can't get back on the field, that would improve Brandon Cooks' fortunes. Considerably, and uh, who knows what they're going to do at running back? They haven't showed their hand there at all. Maybe bring back Blunt for no money. Maybe sign Adrian Peterson. Don't put it past them, folks. Don't no. Nope. <laughs> Corey Dillon.
0: Oh, there you go. And that's,
1: I'm surprised. I'm surprised no one mentions that anymore. There was a little hubbub about because Peterson already said he'd take a discount to play for the Patriots. And if he's still sitting out there, you know, first of May, watch. Bill Belichick be like, eh, how about I give you two and a half million and you win a ring. Peterson might <laughs> like, okay. That works.
0: Yeah. I let's see. So, I'm really surprised I'm really surprised at the lack of movement at quarterbacks too. I thought that, you know, Cutler and Kaepernick. Kaepernick's not even getting a whiff.
1: I hope that's not about the National Anthem thing, because if it is, it don't speak that well to the guts that NFL team owners have. I mean, really? You're worried about your fans? It's, all you have to do is go out there and have one good game. I wonder why Cleveland didn't at least kick the tires on him, personally.
0: Well, and when when this news came about Cam Newton, isn't Colin Kaepernick a, a perfect backup for him?
1: Yeah, in Carolina or in Seattle, because they've got Trevon Boykin just got arrested, and I mean, if you're that team that runs the read and la, 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 a team that with playoff aspirations, la la la, la Kaepernick could be the perfect what you want your backup quarterback to do, in my opinion is you need a guy where if you call on him, he can go out there over a three-game stretch and go two and one. Because I think there were eight out of 32 quarterbacks last year that started week one that made it through the season. That's one quarter. Three quarters of the NFL had to start a second quarterback before the season was over. So, I mean, you have to plan for that eventuality. And if your team, like, Seattle or Carolina or Oakland addressed their backup situation, but I'm surprised they didn't aim a little higher than what they did. I would say you want a guy with a little bit of – a guy that's a little bit more proven that maybe could – I, I don't understand why Kaepernick has signed. Cutler, I think we'll see him sign fairly quickly once the saga of Antonio Romero-Romo becomes resolved. You know, like if he were to wind up in Denver, I think you could see the Texans talk themselves into Jay Cutler pretty quickly, and I don't care. Okay. But I, it also wouldn't surprise me if Cutler winds up retiring. I was just talking about that to the guys in Vegas, too. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's going to want to be a backup for $6 bucks in 2017 after, I mean, he's had a pretty good career. Pretty sure he's got the rent taken care of. So there's a lot of shoes left to drop
0: in free air. Anacron not why has no
1: one signed Anquan Bolden yet? Uh,
0: yes, uh, I've been wondering that myself, too. He, he's still very capable. Uh, I, I said that last year when the Vikings drafted uh, Treadwell. Uh, I thought that he was Anquan Bolden version 2.0. I still think that the Vikings could go out and possibly sign him. After all, we've got several openings. I mean, uh Cordell Patterson's out here. He could step in, be a, a coach for for Treadwell, and the other guys be that voice of leadership. Just, it seems like a perfect fit, but nothing's happened.
1: All right. If you search, if you do a Google, of like, Ankle on Bolden free agency, there's literally, like, 10 different articles from 10 different bloggers about a specific team Like, Why the Titans should sign Anquan Bolton? Why the – I mean, everybody. Why everyone should sign Anquan Bolton? He was second on the Lions last year in receptions and yardage and led them with eight touchdowns. So I get that he ain't going to stretch the defense no more, but his defensive back thinks he's going to take the ball away from Anquan Bolton. He's about to get edumacated. He'll sign. For all, I know, for all we know, Bolden just has, wants no part of OTAs. He's like, no, I'm not signing anything until after training camp. I'm not doing any of that stupid exercise nonsense. I'm Antoine Bolden.
0: Well, there you go. i yeah. work out
1: at home. Well, James Harrison, where he wheels up to training camp in a wheelchair, and he's still playing. Very true. <clears throat> yeah, fun's so just starting. We've still got a good, what, three weeks and change left to go until the draft. More free agency to come after that. OTAs. Ah, training camp, preseason. Before you know it, it'll be a Thursday night in New England, and apparently Roger Goodell's going to go to the game, and the season will be starting again. Gotta
0: love it. I I love it. it yes, sir. Alrighty, sir, we're good to be about... back on after, after a few weeks.
1: Yes, sir, and we will t- we're will we going to make every effort to be back next week. We've got, what, three shows, I think, before the draft, so that'll give us a chance to talk quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Maybe we'll throw a little bit of defense, a couple offensive linemen in there to give people a true feel for the 2017 NFL draft and let dynasty leaguers start to get their – House is in order because there will be Rookie drafts coming soon thereafter As always Todd, it was a pleasure Thank you for joining us
0: Well, Thank you very much Gary, thank you all Very much for listening uh, and we Look forward to talking with you next week Yeah, we will be back Again
1: Because you can't get rid of us, kind of like Freddy Krueger Just won't die